Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. Happy New Year's, boys. 2022. Did we start 2022 back in the studio last year? Or 2021 in the studio? No, we didn't. We were in lockdown at that point, so probably not. I think... Oh, yeah, we were. Yeah. That was uh, the hard lockdown. The the Boxing Day lockdown. Right, yeah. Get Christmas in, but then... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go catch your COVID and then don't go anywhere. Uh, so this is an improvement. We are in person. I'm all better, so we can be in person again. People are now still running tankathons for the Red Wings in the first overall draft pick again, so that part is taking a step back, but... Slowly but surely, hey, by 2025, we might be starting to talk about uh, playoff lineups. Maybe. Yeah. How were your holidays? Yeah. I got mine done on the 21st, so uh, the holidays so, have been non-existent. Yeah, you were the one who had any holidays, and like almost everything I did got canceled except for one small get-together, so I did nothing. To give uh, everyone an idea of uh, how New Year's went, Brad and I messaged in the chat to say Happy New Year's, among other words. And uh, <laughs> and Evan responded about an hour later, I think it was. He's like, oh, sorry, boys. I was in the hot tub. <laughs> first time first time it was, I stayed awake and made it to New Year's in forever. What was, it, what, what was he responding to again? Because I think I said something stupid. Oh, uh, I think. Uh, I don't remember. I would, I would love to. I put it on the Discord for the patrons to see. I was like, you deserve to be privy to this. Oh, picture. a screenshot of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, we made it to 2022. Any resolutions? No. None? You don't want to better yourself in any way? No. I, I should, but I don't want to. Oh, you don't think you're perfect. You just don't give a shit. I just don't care. Either. Yeah, got it. Okay. Brad? Uh, no, I'm actively going to try and make myself more toxic. <laughs> my, <laughs> my, my resolution is to survive with you two <laughs> for another year. Good luck. You almost got me at the end there. You almost got me at the end. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast, folks. Uh, a new year of Red Wings hockey, of the Winged Wheel Podcast, and of our general stupidity. Here to talk uh, about all those things and more. I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. And I'm Evan. You're not going to switch it up? No. No, okay. No. You're going to stay persistent. So uh, it feels good to be talking about Red Wings hockey again because we have Red Wings hockey again. There's two games that happened uh, over the... Yeah, well, yeah. fine, good. <laughs> over the past few days, the Red Wings got their New Year's Eve game in against the Capitals and just wrapped up uh, something against the Bruins earlier this afternoon. Uh, so we'll be talking about those. And uh, we'll be just chatting about what's going on around the league uh, in the world of hockey. Nice story out of Seattle of... Hilarious story from the Russians on the World Junior <laughs> flight home. Uh, some thoughts on the Winter Classic, and then we're gonna we're gonna give some time to the um, the Olympic conversation that Brad Marshan brought up um, not too long ago. Before all that, do want to talk to everyone about the Jamie Daniels Foundation. Still in 2022, this is important and something that we're very very proud to bring to your attention. Um, the more we talk about substance use disorder, the faster we can end the stigma and get support to those in need. The Jamie Daniels Foundation uh, was established in memory of Jamie Daniels and founded by Jamie's father and who you'll know as Red Wings lead announcer Ken Daniels, 
and Jamie's mother, Lisa Daniels Goldman. They strive to end the stigma of substance use disorder and provide support to those struggling with the disease or who are in recovery. To learn more and offer your support, visit jamiedanielsfoundation.org. We have a lot coming up uh, regarding the Jamie Daniels Foundation and our Wings Money on the Board initiative. Uh, things got a little bit busy over the holidays and uh, my not being able to stay awake for more than four hours at a time, it felt a lot like Evan while I was recovering from the one nine is, uh, it put me back a little bit, but we're going to, um, take advantage of the coming weeks to get back on the train with that and generate some more support. All right. Uh, the Red Wings, which game do we want? Let's start with the Washington game. Nice to see them back. Uh, good to see Red Wings hockey on the ice again. Good to see that Alex Ovechkin continues to just relentlessly score against Detroit. And I, I understand he relentlessly scores against everyone, but it felt fitting that he broke the all-time power play goals record against the Red Wings. So congrats to Ovi. It's pretty easy to cheer for him at this point. Who doesn't like Ovi? Right? Like, even if it's against your team, it felt good to know, okay, goal went in, but it broke a record. That's cool to see. Yeah, I was um, I was watching the game uh, with a friend and, and my wife. And when I seen the Capitals coming down on a two-on-two with the empty net, I literally yelled to give it to Ovi. Just because it's a two-on-two on on an empty net. You know it's going in. So, it's like. They had to do it. Let let him score it at least. Yeah. And, you know. Sucks that he scored against us. But, hey, every goal that gets him closer to Gretz's record is uh, at least makes hockey more interesting for the next few years. I felt like that game, that game and the Boston game were similar in a couple ways, even though the outcomes were different. Spoiler, the Red Wings lost both of them. Um it's not too big of a departure from the kind of hockey we were seeing leading into this de facto break. The Red Wings didn't start poorly. They started well in my mind. In the game against Washington. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't like they were um, blowing the barn doors off, but they were the better team for the first 20, 25 minutes of that game. Mm-hmm. And then nothing happened. And then with three minutes left, OV scored the winner. Cause it, yeah. to kind of generalize, the last two periods against Washington and the full game against Boston today felt very old Red Wings. Yeah, it did. A lot of dump and chase, a lot of the old habits. The power play yeah. is How- back to being utter, utter garbage. Like, let's not mince yeah. words here. Like, complete trash. Um, glad you mentioned dump and chase because that seems to have skyrocketed. Uh, no sustained offensive pressure. Like, Sitting there with 10 minutes left in the third period, are they going to hit 20 shots like that? Those types of nights. And, you know, I mean, the whole team had COVID and basically and was coming off a long extended break. So it's easy to go. Well, yeah, of course, they're rusty. Like they all just had the Rona and they hadn't played in two weeks. Yeah, but so did everybody else. So it's it's kind of hard to use that as an excuse, but. You know, everybody's allowed to, and you know, in the Red Wings defense, it's not like Washington and Boston are bad teams. No, no, they're good teams. Like the Boston game today, I don't think the Red Wings played particularly well, but I don't think it was evident that Boston, if they were having a bad night, is still a substantially better team than Detroit through and through. Like that's, that's just the level is you're, you're working with here. A positive on both games is just the way Moritz Sider is playing lends so much credence to the argument that's been coming up all season, which is, yeah, Lucas Raymond is doing great things on offense as a younger player. It's harder, maybe considered harder to do by some. That's up for debate. But what Moritz Sider is doing on defense is is what puts him over the hill for, not over the hill, but puts him above the bar for rookie of the year. 
I have argued pretty firmly in that I think they're, they've both been phenomenal. They'd both deserve it. My vote would go for, to Raymond, but the past few games has really, really pushed Sider forward in my mind. First of all, let's talk about the substantial like defensive part of his game. You mentioned something, Brad, during the Washington game. He might be one of the best players in the league at anticipating the puck through the neutral zone. The way he reads and anticipates plays is already at an elite level. He's in his first half a season in the NHL, and teams can't get through the neutral zone, let alone the blue line. How do you defend your own zone? You don't even let the puck in there, and that's what he does. And not only does he break up those plays, he's moving up the ice with it. He's immediately get either taking control or making it a smart first pass, and there's scoring chances in the other direction. And if that's happening while he's on the ice with like the top line, Larkin Bertuzzi Raymond, then that's more likely to be an even higher quality scoring chance. Like He's doing it all already. He's 20 years old. The difference between Mo Sider and the rest of the good defensemen in the NHL in terms of that is almost all the good defensemen in the league will get their stick on a lot of pucks in the neutral zone and break up the play and and whatnot. And, you know, that's one of the main reasons that makes them good defensemen. Uh, the thing that makes – that really pushes Mo Sider to the top of that list is he times it so well and reads it so well, He he's – accepting it as a pass. Mm -hmm. He's not just getting a stick on it and breaking the play up. He's getting it, stepping into the lane and making the next play. He He's able to turn that play, not break up the play, pick up the loose puck, regroup in the in their own zone, and then go back down the ice. He's like, nope, this is mine. Now we're going this way, which is an underrated skill, but he is just so good at it. I, I sent that tweet out and then he did it again like two minutes later. I know. <laughs> I was trying to grab a clip of it and then I saw you tweeted and again. And I was like, God, Mo, slow down, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that that's just like a good sample of what makes Mo Sider good. Because he has that vision everywhere on the ice and he breaks up plays. He's not a perfect defenseman, but he's as close as you can expect a rookie to be at this point. And that's exactly it. He's going to get better. Think of Mo Sider four years from now. He'll still be early in his career, and he'll be four years better than he is right now. What? <laughs> Sorry, what? I have to say, as um, one of two former defensemen on this podcast, <laughs> it is nice as a Red Wings fan to now have a defenseman to appreciate again. We were spoiled. We were so spoiled over the past couple of generations. And it, that starts and ends with Nick Lidstrom, right? And it just feels like ever since Lidstrom retired, yeah, you've had some guys, obviously, Croner carried that mantle as long as he was good. He fell off as anyone aging and who didn't play a, a style of hockey that was easy on their body like Croner did. Um, but really, Lidstrom was the hallmark of, hey, here's a franchise player from the blue line. I, the Red Wings have missed that, obviously, because they've had a not good defensive core forever now um but it's just been we've missed that from a fan's perspective you're missing star players period but there's been nothing on the blue line and it's so just fills your cup as a red wings fan to know that you have that well i mean at all three positions now potentially but cider it's nice to appreciate the defensive part of the game again oh yeah it's it almost makes you forget what it looked like <laughs> and that's what you want right like games like today where the whole team just kind of looked out of sorts and the power play looked like garbage it's almost shocking which is good right because it means this year has gone better where those games are notable because last year if we tweeted you know 40 games into the season oh this team looks out of sorts and the power play is garbage it'd be like 
Okay. Yeah. Where have you been? Water's wet. Why are you, <laughs> why is this worth a tweet? Um, it's what, it, it's kind of what you need. It makes, it makes the past couple of games, especially this today's game against Boston stomachable. Um, it's also an added bonus that aside from playing fantastic defense and really good offense, Moritz Sider is an, a brick wall. Oh yeah. He's people can't knock him over. If you had 10 tries, Evan, do you think you can knock Sider on? No, no. Is he looking on all of them? <laughs> like, say, is is Evan pulling a Matthew Joseph on one of them? Because then he might get one. Let's say Evan. Let's say Sider is looking at Evan half the time. He no, get, Evan gets maybe one because Sider catches a rut. <laughs> I don't even think if he was not looking, I would be able to hit knock him over. He. Uh, I was gonna make a joke. I was thinking about it, and I was going to make a joke of like, oh, Sider reminds me of me when I play defense, which is just not true. I was not. And I, I was worried. I'm like, people aren't going to understand that. I'm kidding because he's massive. But seriously, like player Nick Dowd at the end of the Washington game was hilarious. The, the mistake Nick Dowd made was going up to Sider and hesitating on the hit. He looked at Sider and hesitated, and Sider was already defending himself and just knocked out on his ass. And then the Capitals got mad that their player got hurt, whatever it was, which was silly and hilarious to watch. Um, but how many times have players tried to knock Moritz Sider over this year? David Pasternak today <laughs> oh, yeah. skated all the way to him. Sider still had the puck and in one motion fed the puck to his teammate and then knocked Pasternak over and he was on all fours. <laughs> it, was, it looked almost comically easy. <laughs> it really is. Not to say it's impossible to knock Moritz Sider over, but I'm getting very big like Zdeno Chara. Like, what are you doing trying this fight? Who are the players in the league that can knock Mo Sider over at this point? It might be Chara, Ryan Reeves, and... <laughs> Nate Thompson. Don't ask me how. <laughs> Cole Caulfield will lowbridge him. That's number three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, honestly. It's... Um... He's a complete package, and it, the the most heartwarming thing is hearing... Can call a play and then Mick chuckle <laughs> when Cider reverse hits someone and then Ken Ken's voice crack or voice breaks because he starts laughing too. It's just the chuckle is when you know, and it doesn't even have to happen on screen. You know, Cider did something off off camera, and you're yeah. like, oh well, who's on the ice now? Oh, it's Pasternak. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, yeah, so the Red Wings lost three one against uh, the Caps, and the re- the recap was Ovi scored. The Red Wings faded throughout the game. Cider is fun to watch despite the loss. Yep. The Boston game today, Burt was in the right place at the right time to open scoring, and that was a good sign to start. But other than that, like, yeah, Ned had some big saves, but then really just kind of fell apart like the rest of the team did in the third period. Um, Nemestica, the best part of the game was either the only part that was better than Cider uh, reverse hitting Pasternak was Nemesnikov dropping the gloves and going absolutely nuts on Brad Marchand. Like, it was just a, a scrum, like, tackle fight. But Nemesnikov was amped up. He was, like, yelling at him as Marchand was still on the ice afterwards and, like, was getting the crowd pumped up. I just got this vision of Nemesnikov yelling at him in Russian and Marchand <laughs> just being on the ice very confused. <laughs> like, he grew up in Detroit. so obviously, No, I know. Yeah. I, obviously, he speaks English, but it would just be funnier if... If it was in Russian, yeah. Brad's like Brad Marchand's like, what the hell? <laughs> the that'd be the second. That's the second Russian that's freaked out on Marchand this year. So worthwhile. <laughs> Marchand thought he was doing something for the Olympics, and that's why he was so mad that they're not going. <laughs> he sent that letter. He's like, all that shit talking was for nothing. The Marchand cross check. It just drives me nuts, man. 
I'm happy it. No, turned. there was a there was a cross the the crackdown though. Cross checking <laughs> is over. It, <laughs> just like the Ottawa Senators rebuild, it's done. Doesn't exist. It's on. It's just Michael Scott yelling. I declare bankruptcy. That's, <laughs> that's it. It's. I think. Do you guys remember in the uh, the playoffs where Brad Marchand skated like eighty feet across the ice? Still have to be way more specific. You may need a date, time, <laughs> opposing team against the Red Wings, and Zetterberg was getting off the ice and going to the bench, and Marchand skated away from the play to cross check him. And there was a scrum, and I remember he either got nothing or there was offsetting penalties. And I'm like, what? Why? Because he's small. You let him do this? I don't understand. It's so stupid. If he was small and bad at hockey, I'd be like, okay, yeah, they feel bad for the guy. But he puts up 100 points a year. What's the point of letting him get away with this? I was happy to see Nemesnikov go off on him. Yeah. I mean, as was the LCA. <laughs> Booing Marchand every time he touched the puck before anything even happened today was amazing. Yeah. That's what makes the Red Wings fans the best. I feel like he doesn't get that treatment in just Detroit, but no, no. It still it still warms the heart. He's a little notorious, to say the least. Yeah. Um that that's the end of the good things that happened. That's the end of the good things that happened. I mean <laughs> The it, game ended. It did, yeah. That was a mercy. It did feel like it was dragging on. The final score was what, five one yeah. by the end of it. The Red Wings don't play full sixty minutes. That's not new. Um, but it wasn't just they didn't play a full 60 minutes. The top line wasn't clicking. There's was no depth scoring. There's no offensive zone time. They had like, I feel like they had a three minute stretch in the second period. And that was it for anything in terms of sustained offensive attack. Let's talk about the power play because it's bad. Next topic. It's bad again. And hey, look, we give, we give Alex Tange a, a ton of credit this year. And we said, I mean, this is Tangay's success. Yeah, Blashill has responsibility for the success because he's the one who brought in Tangay. You don't know how much he factors into like the personnel decisions, but all in all, it's Tangay and Blashill gets the thumbs up too. Alex Tangay, what's going on? You know, I I don't understand how the system was working so well before. You have largely the same personnel. Yeah, Lucas Raymond is not going to have the advantage of being a fresh rookie, so teams don't have any tape on him. Like. That happens to every player in this league. The more you play, the more teams can plan against you. And the better you are, the more they'll focus on you. So that that is is worked in for sure. But why is the power play not doing anything that it was at the, the first little bit of the season there? No idea. Because there's no good reason for it. Because the one thing that really made the power play, you know, I want to say stand out, but go from a basement feeding power play to league average at the beginning of the season was there was no standstill. That puck was always in motion, either someone skating with it or just passing it. Even if it was a nothing pass, just mm-hmm. to keep the puck moving and keep their defense on the toes and hope that this is the pass that opens up a mistake. They're not doing that. No, they're right back to the everybody's stuck in quicksand power play that they had last year. And then you know, passing up too many shots and then eventually settling for a bad one or trying to force the puck into spots that it's just not there. Like if I see that guy on the half wall walk in for a shot one more time, look off the defenseman in the center and pass it to a guy who's standing in the corner or along the goal line, I'm going to snap because that hasn't worked for them once this year. Especially if there's nobody open in the bumper, it's a wasted play. Now, if you're going to, make that pass just for the sake of moving it, and then you move it back around the horn, great. 
they don't do that. They try to force nothing when they do that. It's there. There's nothing that they're doing right on this power play right now. I I've seen two schools of thought regarding the power play and specifically where to put Lucas Raymond. Uh, I have, and I think you said the same thing, Brad. I I'm of the mind that I would like to see him dealing the puck again from the right half wall, which is what Fabry has been doing the past couple of games. I think Robbie Fabry is great. I don't know that he's such a skilled distributor where the power play should be running through him there. Um, Spoiler, the answer is very much no. And I've also seen no sticking back on the left side because more if you're able to hit that seam pass and more whatever loose puck comes out that way, the closer he is to the net, he's had a hot stick earlier this year. So why are you not trying to reignite that? Especially because at 5-on-5, Raymond hasn't produced the past little bit, not the same way he was earlier. I really just don't understand the setup right now of having Fabry there and having Raymond at the top of the the circles. There's something to be said for if it ain't working, try anything. That's fair. Sure. We now know this isn't working, so I'm curious to see what the approach will be next game because if they try something new, all right, well, yeah, they they realize the power play got stagnant and they're trying things out. And, you know, Lucas Raymond's a skilled player. You could probably put him in any position on the power play and he's the best option in that spot out of everybody who's on the ice like if we're just being honest Mm -hmm. um so is lucas raymond ideal in the bumper no but is he probably the best player on the team to play in the bumper yeah probably but he's also better on the half wall so i don't even care what half wall he's on he just needs to be on a half wall because he can shoot off his strong foot and he can one time it the problem that the red wings power play is running into in terms of strategy is there's one player capable of taking an effective one-timer on this team, and it's Lucas Raymond. And to a lesser degree, Philip Zadina. I think Zadina can't right now. I think he's I would, he would yeah. be one of the last players. Let's, would, just, let's just assume everything's functioning as it should. Which, For the sake of this argument. Yeah, okay. for the sake of this argument. Let's just assume everything's functioning as it should. Raymond and Zadina are the two guys who would be legitimate one-timer threats, and that's it. Because I don't even consider Heronic that anymore because he doesn't hit the – net on 90% of his shots, let alone one-timers. So, but they play on different units. So it makes it super easy for the opposition to hyper fixate on one or the other and take away the shot option, which might be why they moved Raymond to the bumper because they're like, oh yeah, they are locking down his side, which, you know, watching from even before the COVID shutdown was happening. They, he was very much getting extra attention on the power play for good reason. Because mm-hmm. as much as, as good as Dylan Larkin is, he is not a power play specialist. Never has been, never will be. His game's not suited to be a power play specialist. He's still one of the better players on the team at it. But yeah, he, he, his game's all about movement and speed. And the power play isn't that. Not the Red Wings power play. Exactly. So it's tough. So I, I would like to see them try a few more looks, try a few different things um but they're just not they're just moving personnel around and trying the same shit if if you want to move raymond to the bumper and and run a left wing or a right wing flood i guess for raymond it would be a right wing flood to try and open him up in the bumper or have him be able to creep down into the back post yeah i see the logic there they're not doing that they haven't attempted anything even close to that so I, I don't know. It's frustrating. I understand moving personnel to switch things up, but when you change absolutely nothing philosophically on the power play, it's what's the, what's the phrase uh, shuffling deck chairs on the Titanic. That's all they're doing. <laughs> I, 
there is something to be said. I, we preach quite a bit. Hockey's a mental game. People go through cold streaks. We've said that, like that's going to happen with Sider and Raymond throughout the season. And the same thing goes at a, at a broader level for power plays, right? Like you're going to have cold streaks when no one's doing anything different. It's just not going in. To be fair, since October, this power play has not looked dangerous. And that's, that's the point I'm getting at here is this isn't just like a little bit of a cold streak and they have some bad bounces. You're getting into the realm now of you got to try to mix things up, which I that works against my previous argument of just put Raymond back where we saw him before. It's no, they'll try it. And if it didn't work like something, you just have to be trying different things. Something will give eventually, but that's that's got to be Tenge's focus right now, because look at the Red Wings at the moment. If they're if their top line is shut down. If Bertuzzi, Larkin, Raymond aren't doing anything that game because they've they either have to play against McDavid and Dreisaitl or they've game planned heavily against him, you can't count on the depth. The Red Wings' depth just just does not show up every game. There are some games where like Fabry and Nemesnikov will come and light it up, but the Red Wings aren't a, a good enough, deep enough team to show up when their best players are locked down. Insider will hit a few people. You might put one in the net, but it's not going to win you games. Ndelkovic didn't have a good game today, but he made some pretty big saves. The Red Wings collapsed so hard today, you would have had to have like, you know, a one of the best games of your season to win that game from from the, the crease for Detroit. Well, the thing that's happening to Detroit right now more than anything else, especially it's been increasingly obvious in these two games and it was slowly creeping in before then. But again, it was largely negated by what the top line was doing is when the Wings have these games where they generate nothing offensively obviously it's easy to look and go oh we had 19 shots on net or whatever the hell it was and go yeah that's bad the offense needs to do more but what that also does it creates more work for the defense like what was it the uh bruins first or second goal the the bergeron goal mm-hmm. like that's a play that i i could rip on three guys for on that one ernie insider lost the two-on-two puck battle in the corner and de kaiser was positioned horribly to break up that pass. But that's a play and a breakdown that happens, you know, five to 10 times a game. But that's a play that's happening to the Red Wings, you know, 15 to 20 times a game now because the puck's always down there. So is a team going to bat a thousand on that play? No, of course not. Eventually, if you have to, you know, do these two and two board battles and, you know, break up these slot passes, you know, 20, 30 times a game, Few of them are going to start getting through. That's just the way life works. Nobody's perfect 100% of the time. So the lack of offense and the lack of ozone pressure and the lack of a breakout, it's just putting more work on the defense and the goaltending. And it shows because, again, Danny DeKaiser, man, love the guy. And you can tell he's trying to battle through it. He does not have the ability anymore to play 22 minutes a night where 17 of them are in his own zone. I, I like, I actually do feel bad. Like, yeah, the way the Red Wings pairings kind of have to work out right now means DeKaiser is going to be playing with Cider. Like, that's just a given with this team this season, but <laughs> it's going to be a rough 22 minutes. <laughs> oh, yeah. 21 and a half is just him running around going, shit, 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 shit. It's, yeah, <laughs> it, he's not. Hockey's not fun when you're chasing the game the entire time you're out there. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, man, that's how I feel playing anytime right now. Stepped on the ice with Brad and his buddies. God. <laughs> you made it two shifts before he pulled your groin. Two is actually double the amount of shifts I made it. <laughs> I was not be, in a good place. The only thing that helped you on that one was that was like one of the first post-lockdown skates we had. So everybody was kind of in the same boat as you. Yeah, that's what was horrifying, actually. 
No, but yeah, you, you're out of sorts the moment you step on the ice and the moment you're one play behind, you're, you're by the end of the shift, you're five plays behind and you just have to hope that you don't end up in your own net, right? Yeah. Like it's, what's his average time on ice? I don't know. This season. It'll probably be too much. Average time on ice for Danny DeKaiser. Yeah, 19 minutes a night. It's horrifying. That's like at least six minutes too much. It honestly is. And again, we've we've already or done our gripes. Minutes too much. <laughs> we've done our gripes about Danny DeKaiser. This isn't like a rip on Danny DeKaiser. No, it's- this this is the here's why we have some sympathy for Danny DeKaiser because his offense is leaving him out to dry. He has to do so much work because in a normal hockey game, if Danny DeKaiser plays 19 minutes, nine and a half of that's going to be defending. Nine and a half of that should be attacking, like counting transitions. Mm-hmm. Hey, he's <laughs> you one- think that split looks anything like that right now? When you're in the offensive zone and you're settled and you have control, Danny DeKaiser is not a liability. And he doesn't have to do much. Look, They're he fired the puck minutes. today that ended up on Bertuzzi sticking yeah, in the assist. net. Yeah. But the moment the pressure's on him, it's essentially what we're saying. You shelter the Red Wings right now. The way they win games is they have to shelter their weaknesses, and they just they can't. They don't have the personnel to do it, and they're not executing well enough to even attempt it the way they were at the start of the season. It was like a month in before people really started noticing how bad the defensive core still is, and it's like yeah, it's because the offense was doing so much where you didn't really care when they let in five goals a game because they were putting in seven at for a period. To put a positive on it, like I know it was two really bad games, so like this isn't much of a compliment. But the way these last two games have gone, it's a pretty big compliment. You know who's looked like halfway competent the last two games? Mm. Jordan Osterley. I've been fine with Jordan Osterley yeah, all been, year. He's been okay. He's a as a, a perfect bottom pairing defenseman. Yeah, definitely a step above uh, DeKaiser and Mark Stahl. I'm sorry, Mark. Literally, Bobby Orstall. Wow. But on our podcast, you're yeah. going to disparage the good name of Mark Stahl. But yeah, so. That's been one of the few bright-ish spots the last couple of games. Stetcher's obviously has his long-term injury. Really didn't get a step this year. Seemed to be injured from before the he season even go, started. Yeah. And I think it's easy to forget, but he was also someone last year where he would factor into games when he was healthy in a really good way where you're like, man, they could trade Stetcher for something. I don't think that's going to happen this year. No, it's not. I see the most likely outcome with Stetcher. And this is a guess. Like, I have no intel here, but... He's out long term. Whenever he comes back, you know, post trade deadline or whatever it is, he's going to be rusty. He might not get a ton of playing time. He's moved down the depth chart, especially on the right side now because of Sider, Hronik, Lindstrom. I think he goes in free agency. Probably. I wouldn't be surprised if Vancouver brought him back. Yeah. Um, Because it is hard to forget what this Detroit defense could look like without the injuries and and the covid because you know we look at the iteration of the detroit defense that they had to parade out the last couple games which you know as much as i'm saying i'm sympathetic for what the offense is making them go through right now they are still it's not a good group they are still responsible for a lot of the bad things happening yeah um but you know you're parading danny kaiser out there mark Stahl out there in big minutes gustav lindstrom out there in big minutes when that right side should have been cider heronic stetcher which dare i say is a very strong right side. And then your left side could have been um, Letty, let's say, Stahl Osterly. I'm not saying that that defense is going to win you any playoff series, but it sure as hell would look a lot better than what, what they've had to play this year because of the injuries and because of the lack of depth and because of the pandemic. Because has that lineup played 
a game together this year. I'm just thinking about Edmonds and Letty Osterley. That's not a bad left side. It's not good. Like first year Edmondson, <laughs> Letty Letty's not on the right side of his career. I can't imagine that Letty's re-signing in Detroit, though. He feels like a guy who's going to want a couple more kicks at the can. Oh, actually, Letty's only 30. Why do I think he was 33? No, he's only Beer. 30, but... Yeah, that is what it is. But he probably knows he's only got a few more years to really make a hard cup run, so... I think if Detroit keeps playing like they have the past 30 days or so, he gets dealt without a, without a doubt in I, my mind. They should. He should. Like I said, unless the Red Wings are a serious contender in a playoff race, they should still sell. Now, if they are in a playoff spot or a point or two out of the playoff spot, and we're talking in terms of points percentage, um, then yeah, you owe it to the guys to at least give it an honest shot. But if they're not, even if they're, let's say them and the eighth place team have even games played. If they're four or five points out of a playoff spot, sell it all. Like it's not happening at that point. The one thing I will say is, you know, we just had a lot of conversation about the things the Red Wings are doing wrong, et cetera, et cetera. Between injuries, you know, the COVID stuff really kicked in again, even before the big shutdown. Like they were, that was from November onwards, if I'm remembering correctly, some part of whatever line was missing. They're out of rhythm right now. They're rusty, they're cold, they're out of rhythm. Them and everybody else, though. Them and everybody else, but, I mean, we don't really measure the Red Wings against other teams this season for success. Washington and both Boston are teams that could probably be hungover and, like, have not played in a month and pick it right back up. Yeah, Yeah. those are Brad and his buddies who play 18 times a week skating, and the Red Wings are me right now getting on the ice for the first time in a year and a half. Yeah. But um, the the disheartening part of that is, though – this has been one of the better forward groups that have been able to put out this year because I don't think they were missing anybody other than Verona at this point. No. This this is everybody's healthy. Nobody was on COVID protocol other than Nick Letty, the defenseman. I obviously I know after being two weeks off, the rhythm's way out. And I and especially at a higher level, I I, I get that and it's it's true. But Man, you got to get more than what, what was it like forty some forty shots and change in two games when you have arguably the best forward group you've put on the ice all year. That's that can't happen. That just can't. Nineteen shots against uh, Boston and fifteen shots against Washington. Thirty four. So they had an average game worth of shots over two games combined with arguably right now their ideal forward lineup. It's okay to want the Red Wings to play better. I'm not sounding any alarm bells right now where things are looking like horrific. Yeah, it's two game sample size. Um, it just it felt a little too familiar. I don't think the even if the Red Wings get better, I don't think the rest of the season is going to go much better than this. Though I would like it to because I, I know what they're they are capable of. But remember what we've talked about all year. It's not easy to be good. It's even harder to be good consistently, and that's what a playoff. That's what makes a playoff team. Well, they just got to get back to what they were doing because at the beginning of the year, like we sat here for at least a solid month. Wow, this team plays fast. This team's aggressive. This team's dare we say exciting and fun. We haven't seen that in a while. No, they got away from that completely, and they are back to playing. The way they've played the last few years, which is hyper conservative, defensive shell, not very aggressive in the offensive zone, a lot of dump and chase. And again, not to be all doom and gloom, the top line breaks that mold and has 
saved that from being the consistent theme because Raymond Bertuzzi yeah. and Larkin sure as hell don't do that uh, all that often. Um, but yeah, this is everything we feared would happen as the season went on is, yeah, the start's great, but like you said, can you do it consistently? And the resounding answer has been no. It was nice to know that they can do it because it does still, even before the shutdown, it does pop up every once in a while. So it's not like every game goes like these last two games. You'll, still better than last year where they couldn't at all. Exactly. So it'd be like, you know, every third or fourth game, we'll be like sitting here and go, yeah, yeah, more of this. And then they fall back into it, which whatever, it's a long season. It's fine. But again, my whole rant, complaint, whatever you want to call it, is just even before the shutdown, the last whole 10 to 15 games have felt too familiar. The Red Wings have San Jose on Tuesday night at 7.30 Eastern at home. And that, hey, that could be a good cure for what else. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> they should jump on that opportunity. And then we'll be back with you with another pod on Wednesday. Um, we're going to move on here to another discussion, one that we said we'd talk about um, last episode. Uh, another little tidbit here from the Olympics. And the reason this is notable is because it's something that Brad Marchand, who is going to be on Team Canada and one of the, still one of the best players on the planet right now, all feelings about him and cross checks and his resemblance to any rodents aside um he put out a, a kind of a well he, it was a notes app screenshot but i thought it was interesting agree or disagree uh evan will read it out for us oh you wanted me to have it open uh, i mean unless you've memorized sorry it. i have to unblock you uh <laughs> my phone. excuse me so <laughs> I think I think the one funny thing about Brad Marchand's Merry Christmas everybody. his his tweet is that he actually added the NHL and added the NHLPA in the uh, notes app. Yeah, in his note. Like <laughs> it's 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 a, How did I not catch on to that? And then he took a screenshot and then posted it as a tweet. So it's very like inception-based social media, but I still find it funny that he added them. Oh. Um, so he said at NHL and at NHLPA can change the rules of the CBA to add a taxi squad so that they don't miss any games and don't lose any money, which has already been agreed upon that the players will pay back in escrow until the owners are made whole uh, from what they have lost during the pandemic, regardless of how many games are missed. Yet they can't do a taxi squad during the Olympics so that they can honor the agreement they made so that the NHL players can go. Please tell me that's not bullshit. And for all of you who want to pipe back about forfeiting pay while being gone, yeah, not a problem. Let the players make their choice. Interesting statement. And it's always good to get insight from, like, that's in the room. That's in the discussion. He's saying that to whoever his PA rep is, and they're putting it forward in the negotiations with the NHL. Or I don't know if, I don't think Brad Marchand's a rep. I don't know any better. Um, I think each team has one representative, right? Yeah, that's generally how it goes, although formal and informal conversations have happened because the PA and the NHL have had to meet a lot more over the past couple of years. Um, forfeiting pay while being gone and having that being voluntary, I just don't see that ever working. I don't... In I, what regard? Connor McDavid has a quadrillion dollars, and so he might not care. But Connor McDavid might also say, hey, I make a quadrillion dollars. Why am I going to give up this much money when Crosby didn't have to do that back in the day and Lemieux didn't have to do that back in the day? Like, why am I all of a sudden giving up all this cash? You know, was that part of it or were they, was he saying I'd volunteer to not get paid? That's what he's saying. Like, I, I like I wasn't. OK, OK. He's saying, like, leave it up to the players. And if they want to go, then they have to volunteer. 
like voluntarily. And everyone else is like, I don't remember discussing (laughs) this. (laughs) Everyone else making all that money is like, hey, whoa. And again, I'm not crying for millionaires. Just because you have a $5 million contract, buddy. Yeah. And then, for example, look at Mort Sider and Lucas Raymond. They're not making big bucks. They're still on their rookie contracts. And yeah, they're only losing a small percentage of that based on how much time they miss. What if they play the whole tournament? They got stuck in China. And they ended up having to stay for five weeks. That's a lot of fucking money that they're going to be missing out on for what they're used to. Then that's not fair to them. That point to me from Brad Marchand, I don't know. I get what he's arguing. It's kind of like easy for you to say when you already have all this money, but. Well, I I think it's another thing is, does he really think he'll be at the next Olympics? Like this was probably possibly his last chance. He's got to be at least 30, right? Like maybe 34. 33. 33. yeah. Yeah. So like. He's not going to be on the next Olympic team. So I think what he's trying to really say is like, I want to go. Yeah. <laughs> if that's not obvious. <laughs> and you, you can't blame him, right? Like a player is going to take their personal circumstance. If Marshan makes it, he'll be um, a Chris Kunitz type for Team Canada in four years. And you just don't know that that's going to happen. Um, <sighs> the more and more I thought about it, the more and more if I was in their situation, I would still go. Yeah. Like the con, like everybody wants to see the best on best, and you know it's a personal choice whether you go over there and you get stuck or whatever. I think a lot of the guys would still go. I saw something about like they were working out deals with the the government and the IIHF and the IOC to have like emergency or special ambulance flights, which is basically say you don't have to quarantine here; we'll send you back. Which is not it's I didn't really see that until after this whole ordeal got past it and they very, I think, correctly said we can't go, we can't send NHL players. If that was something that they actually put in place, I would have been back on the side of, okay, no, then go. Like take your risk, choose to, to whether or not you want to go. But if you want to take that risk and catch whatever, then go and do it. I agree. I think if they want to take the risk, it should they should be allowed to go. The taxi squad thing was funny. That I get what he's saying. But that was agreed upon even before entering the season. They had the taxi squad built out, like the framework built out. And they said, we're only going to use this if we need to. We don't need to. They didn't need to at the start of the season. Things were still under control. It was only when things started going haywire that they implemented it. It's all like we're sitting in a a home studio of a podcast and never had a a rat's chance in hell of of going to the Olympics. So easy for us to say. It's emotional for these guys. You're right. This is Marshall. A lot a lot of guys is like, sorry, a lot of guys came out and said, I still want want to go. This is bullshit. Yeah. Like Brad Marchand. Like Stephen Samkos was upset. It's all of a sudden it's you start to hear more it, it clearly was not a unanimous decision. No. There's a lot of guys who started coming out who would have been on their teams. Well Stamkos is one of the guys where it's like, okay, how many more chances does he have? Who are like I I would still go. And so it made me, you know, maybe backtrack a little bit on my stance of not going because I understand how crazy things are and how delicate of a situation it is. But it seems like a lot of the star players really still wanted to go. And it's not like Canada needs a Stephen Stamkos or if, yeah. I don't know, uh, somebody sits out. It's like, okay, we've got two teams worth of players we could send over there yeah in my mind stammer wasn't even a lock no it wasn't well with the season he's having probably yeah that's fair and and who picks the teams in canada (laughs) yeah right chris pronger is still uh probably eligible in their minds you see his tweet no he got on twitter (laughs) oh god and his his tweet 
And look, in a vacuum, it's a very fair tweet. But as a Red Wings fan, it was hilarious to read. He just said, like, basically, uh, no bullshit in my replies. Let's keep it classy. And I'm like, hey, I agree. The Internet's a terrible place. And it's an awful invention. And it all should be thrown into the fire. But Chris Pronger getting on here and telling us all to keep it classy (laughs) is just so rich. (laughs) Oh, man. The Olympic... The Olympic conversation is one where we can argue it until kingdom come. It's not a zero-sum game here. There are going to be people who lose out in a big way, and Steven Stamkos is one of those guys, and maybe Brad Marchand, and a lot of guys who haven't had the opportunity to play for their teams. We're taking a um, – like this applies across all countries. We're taking a look at this and saying, ah, well, we'll have it in four years. These guys aren't necessarily going to be there and it sucks and there's no remedy to this. And it's just, there was no solution that would leave everyone made whole in the end in X amount of years. Like, Oh, and in this amount of time, like we are now robbed of McDavid and Crosby playing together twice. Sucks. I think if it wasn't in China, the Olympics would be a go. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. You're working in it. I'm not getting it. Like this isn't a political statement. It's I think just a very honest one. You are working with a jurisdiction far geographically outside your own, where it's the rules are incredibly more strict. They have they were working to protect the entire Olympics, and they had no control and no negotiation power really with that government for a, hey, if X and Y happens, how do we not lose this asset for five weeks when we're fighting for a playoff spot? You think our quarantine suck? They literally shut down cities, and if you go out, you go to jail. It's not the same. It's not the same world, and like that, that, I agree. If this was happening in like literally anywhere, Sweden, Norway, this was a Botswana. Yeah. <laughs> when was the last time they had a Winter Olympics? Not was, nearly recent enough. Was there's ninety two or? <laughs> Anyways, it's just a uh, it's country's a little hammering again. Um, Botswana. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. It hasn't been that long. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Anyhow, it's they do need a best on best. I still maintain they need to figure out a way to make the Olympics work in the future. Can they do? They can't. I know the answer is no, but can they do what the World Juniors want to do, which is just play it out in the summer? No. Yeah. Mm-mm. Well, this makes it easy. I don't have to watch the Olympics now. <laughs> Yeah, I really wasn't looking forward to getting up. You know what? You know what I like to do at two in the morning? Ice dancing. Mixed couples ice dancing. That's what I want to watch at two in the morning. I'm actually a big sucker for speed skating. Yeah, their quads are ridiculous. All of them. All every single one of them, their quads are they wouldn't fit through that door. No, they wouldn't. They would not. I I was uh, the best thing I did in hockey was skating. Like I was a really good skater. I tried speed skating. I felt like someone had actually lit my legs on fire. Like they were actively on fire at the moment with fuel still to go. I couldn't imagine my body in one of those suits right now. (laughs) (laughs) If If I want to feel worse about myself, I'd put one of those on. The word shoved come to mind. (laughs) Yeah, maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll get you one. We'll make it a Patreon exclusive. Although we might have to put that on only. I would try speed skate. Yeah, <laughs> I would try to the Jamie Daniels Foundation, and we'll buy Evan a bodysuit and get him speed I'd do skating. It way less than that. <laughs> <laughs> I would try speed skating. It looks fun, but oh my god, those suits are not uh, not for me. That's for sure. No, they're not forgiving. Um, some news around the NHL, and this was a really heartwarming story. Actually, uh, the Vancouver Canucks put out a statement. 
And it was a letter basically from their, what was it, assistant equipment manager. Mm-hmm. And he had stated that a little while back at the, um, his name is Brian Hamilton. He goes by Red. Yeah, assistant equi- equipment manager for the Canucks. And when the Kraken played their first ever home game, there was a Kraken fan behind the Canucks bench. And she basically spent the whole game or whatever trying to get his attention. And she showed him a message on her phone that said, there's a mole on the back of your neck that looks cancerous. And he went and looked it up or looked it up. He went to the doctor and it was a uh, malignant melanoma. Like she literally saved him and he went and got it removed and got it treated. But had he not, had she not gotten his attention, who knows how long that would have gone untreated and what else would have happened. So they put it out on hockey Twitter. They found her. Uh, the Canucks and the Kraken played last night, and they met, and which was really nice. And it turns out this young woman is um, going to medical school next year, I think. So the Kraken and the Canucks gave her $10,000 towards her college tuition, which is really great of them to do. It covers two weeks of her uh, schooling. <laughs> yeah, let's not, let's not talk about how wow. expensive medical school is. But, um, and don't tell my mother. Um, but that was a really – that was just a really cool, like, human story. That was just nice to see. I just wanted to bring attention to that. Yes. That is what we're, we're, we finally 2022 starting on a better note. Yeah. Um, on the flip side of the best or worst parts of hockey, whether this is the best or worst is up to you. The Russians got themselves and the Czech world junior teams kicked off a plane. <laughs> Cause what was it? They were attempting to smoke. They were vaping and wouldn't wear their masks essentially. <laughs> and the Russian was it the Russian head coach was just playing Russian rock music at full blast when they asked him to like calm down or whatever. <laughs> and so they, the, Cops like swarmed the plane, like cop cars all were, came around the plane on the runway or wherever they were, the tarmac, and they came on board. And they, they couldn't tell the Russians and the Czech players apart because they all had the same color. They all had the same colors for their team uniforms or track suits or whatever. So the poor Czech players who reportedly weren't taking part in this, they all got booted off too. Is this not this, this isn't the first Russians got booted off a plane story, is it? It is not. Years? No, when they time, won it a few years ago. Yeah, I feel happened. like we've heard recently that there's been teams who are just absolutely crippled after they win like <laughs> silver or no, sorry, they win bronze or the gold medal game and they're like their teammates are basically carrying them off the plane because they're so inebriated or hungover. It's it's not God Good. damn it, do I love the world, Jesus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's definitely some <laughs> bullshit. Like, don't be an asshole to people on a plane and the people who are just trying to fly you a place. But all that aside, it is kind of funny. Don't do it. If you're playing in the world, if Jesus, I was on that plane, I, I would have I lost, lost my, mind. my goddamn mind. Yeah, for sure. And it's a shitty thing to do. But in a vet, like, all that aside, it is funny that it keeps happening. <laughs> Don't do it. I wish it would stop. Yeah. The fact that I wouldn't stop vaping on a plane is just the most <laughs> – I feel like a boomer right now. <laughs> How ridiculous that sounds. So the PSA here is if you're on a flight out of Canada and there's a Russian teenager absolutely buckled on that flight, just go find another flight. Yeah. It'll be quicker. Yeah, if you see Adidas, Tearaways, <laughs> and Gucci flip-flops, you you let one of the standby people take your seat. Uh. <laughs> Uh, the winter classic, I think anytime you get to see, uh, an NHL goaltender wear a toque over their helmet, it is a good show. I absolutely love that so damn much. And you know what? It was a great looking winter classic in terms of the aesthetic of the jerseys. I think the St. Louis ones were gorgeous jerseys. 
I think Minnesota's jerseys are were terrible, but how they looked on the ice worked, if that makes sense. That statement was half correct. You didn't even think they looked good? No, it was horrible. I think if you They get- had patches on their elbows. Why? Patches are in, man. Patches yeah. are in. Do you have patches on your uh on one of my jackets, I yeah, have patches. I figured you would. You are a patches guy. That immediately patches reaffirms guy. my position. <laughs> yeah, it's um, the aesthetic of the event was cool. I think it's just cool, especially you consider someone who only watches hockey casually or may- maybe not very much, and they tune in. They're like, "Oh, it's negative twenty in Minnesota right now." They're playing out, yeah, they're playing outdoors, and it's like that's a really cool game. Why does the NHL put other games on at the same time? is something i'm wondering no the nhl no league markets themselves worse than the nhl because even i've i i got to live how angry every hockey fan is yesterday because because of all the cancellations and the pandemic i got off my couch like three times total yesterday and that was basically just to feed the kids um and so there was a whole slate of afternoon games which was great so when i realized that i turned it on they were all at intermission on the same time and then I wanted a game on in background for some background noise while I was watching. So naturally I turned on um, the Minnesota Blues game. But then, you know, other games started getting close and going to overtime and the outdoor game was a bit of a blowout. So I turned it off to watch a better game. <laughs> that shouldn't be an option. Like if that was the only game, I probably would have left it on. Yeah. But no, I'm like, oh, you know, this whatever game, it's one goal in the third period, and this one's 6 2 for St. Louis in the third. Yeah, I'm going to go watch the one goal game or whatever it was. I don't, I don't even remember. I don't even know if it was an NHL game now that I think about it. It might have been an OHL game. But either way, it was like, shouldn't happen. The whole point is you're hungover on the couch, or in my case, you made it past midnight and you're hungover from that. And just the only late. thing on TV on New Year's Day. And I go, okay, I'll just rot and watch this. Yeah, if, they, if you stagger that properly, I would have watched nine straight hours of NHL hockey yesterday, but they couldn't even accomplish that. NHL's the best league in terms of having no games on a Friday, then 13 on a Saturday, and half of them start at 7. Yeah. yeah. They'll get it right. I think the stadium series was something. Will they? No, they won't. <laughs> I think, oh, well, Lee... Sorry, I should have led into this a little bit more gracefully. I think they're going to get it right because I think the stadium series will eventually die. Or at least for the next little while. It's got to be a pretty big expense. I don't know how much no, money they a, make. It's still a moneymaker. You them. think so? Yeah, because from a TV standpoint, to me, the spectacle wore off in like 2013. Like when it, they didn't it, do it, the winter cl- Road to the Winter Classics, a sort of cared far but but where this still does work for the nhl is you know baseball and football stadiums have like 40 50 60 thousand seat capacity and they will sell out or come close to selling out all of them that is a huge gate revenue and don't think they're selling those tickets not at a premium so yeah it's still an absolute money maker for them just the tv spectacle of it's worn off which might actually be the reason they don't give a shit about scheduling other games at the same time because they don't they don't they, see the ratings that high anymore. Yeah, they're like, this isn't why people why we're doing it. Who cares? You know, let I don't know, pick whatever team, let Nashville have their Saturday night game still so they can get their gate and their TV viewing. That's a good point about the road to the winner classic. What a great way to get people in. Like get have people in. You guys invested. started or watched All or Nothing yet? Not yet, no. It's good. It is so good. And they every single team should be doing that. Can you imagine you just have 32? 
and even make them half hour episodes but you have 32 teams to watch yeah they're some of them aren't particularly long like maybe some are like 45 minutes well it's kind of the catch-22 because every team does some sort of you know youtube series or web series or something where it's that but when the teams have control of it it's not interesting it's never interesting hbo had sheldon keith swore a lot yeah And I was I was expecting it, but he I thought he was like just a kind of a quiet guy, but he is not. Oh, any hockey coach I would be I'd be shocked to find a hockey coach who keeps it clean. Oh no, it's, it's to anybody who's never been in a hockey dressing room, it's shocking yeah. how much the average hockey coach swears. So some people might be mortified, but I think it is an excellent glimpse into what the world of professional sport and professional hockey looks like. And think of how many NHL teams aren't the top dog in terms of sports team in their city yeah and let's look at what it should be like new jersey for example there's like seven teams in new york that are higher on this on the 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 ladder than they are they should be the first people to sign up the nhl is behind college sports in a lot of u.s towns like well that's a religion so i'm just saying like you're not not everyone like i but still it's yeah the nhl the world's worst marketers in every way imaginable. The the part about elevating them within their own market is a really interesting one because I've only thought about this from like let's make new hockey fans and it's like well, yeah kind of like think of the road to drive to survive or whatever it's called like yeah the number of people I've listened to are like I watched that and now I'm an F1 fan that's how yeah yeah same it's exactly what it should be I'm going to watch All or Nothing and I could not give a shit about the Leafs. But because of what you're saying and everybody, they're like, oh, yeah, it's just like it's actually really good behind the scenes. Look what you said about Sheldon Keefe. Yeah, yeah. That's what I want to watch. I don't want to watch, you know, this NHL team puts this production on YouTube and it's oh look at all these guys having fun at practice. And it's like a three minute clip when, you know, the What's 57 your- minutes, Jeff Blashill's just telling them to get who's their the- fucking shit together. Who's like- the biggest goof on the team questions? It's like it's actually real. And like they give the backstories of the the players and they're growing up and like like you meet their parents and their family and like what they do outside of hockey just is very very interesting and how all of this comes together every team should be jumping at this because there's the Leafs don't need to do that they're the biggest ticket in southern Ontario maybe even on maybe even almost Canada like they don't need to do that but they did it and it was fantastic better advertising what the NHL does now are those TikToks of people going around a dressing room saying, which player on this team would would you not let date your sister? Like, that would be even funnier. Yeah. I didn't did one of those. Did they actually? Yeah. Did anyone say Crisco? No, thankfully. No, yeah. we all said the... We all said the guy who was filming it because <laughs> he was the correct answer. Yeah. <laughs> You're milk toast, buddy. Sorry. All right. Uh, we're going to jump into overtime on this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast. We're going to take uh, some questions, uh, starting with Patreon. Our Patreon supporters uh, are amazing and the exact kind of people we want to be ringing in the new year with. Patreon.com slash Winged Wheel Podcast if you want to help support the show in uh, Evan's beanie collection. I have one. You have one? This is the same one every single time. I uh, Oh, yeah. Uh, beanie has a little bobble, right? Beanie's just the American phrase for it. They're all the same damn thing. Beanie toque. Bobble. Nah. You can't. It's a toque. We did convince him to take his winter coat off before we started recording, which is yeah, a big step Yeah, it's like up. the second circle of hell in here. Well, what do you want, buddy? I'm trying to regulate it for you. I'm also sweltering, but I thought 
I just rolled the sleeves up in my hoodie because I can't be fucking bothered to take it off. You look like a South Park character trying to sit there with your winter coat the entire podcast like this. Yeah. We'll try and figure I'll get it three degrees cooler for you. No, you are every Californian who visits Canada. Yeah. (laughs) Cyril Rabitsky says, what are the odds uh, that enough games are canceled to force the NHL to expand the playoffs again? This seems like a best case scenario for the wings. They would get some much needed playoff experience. And if they lose, they'd still have a shot at the draft lottery. Cheers and keep up the great work. Unlikely at this point in the season. I wouldn't want to see it. I was not a fan of an expanded playoffs. I don't want to hit that hot goalie syndrome. I mean, that'd be sweet. Well, that's what Detroit would be hoping for. Detroit would definitely be a candidate to do that. But but I don't want to do that because this draft is looking very good. It doesn't play in the favor of anybody. Either the Red Wings go in the playoffs and get embarrassed or they get hot and play their way out of the draft lottery. However, Montreal did this last year. And now look, now look where they up. are. This is what timeout excellent. Has anybody ever actually like outside of Montreal looked at really looked at what their record is right now? It's not it's, good. It's shockingly bad. They're like 721 and like four or something along those lines. If you want to see what regression to the mean looks like, it's the Montreal Canadiens who are playing where they should have been. They got hot at the right time last year. And they were a better team last year, of course, had better players playing for them. But yeah, that team has fallen hard. 723 and 4. Oh 723 God. and 4. They are like that's gotta be getting close to like 1920 Red Wings levels. They are only worse. They are only better than Arizona in terms of points percentage right now. Yeah. Yes. Actually what, what are they on pace for points wise? Uh I don't know. The 45. <laughs> that's actually they're at a worse they're at a worse percentage points percentage right now than the 2019-2020 record. Okay. Were. Yeah, I was I was wondering <clears throat> I, they had to be getting close. 265 versus Detroit's 275 that year. <laughs> Arizona's sitting at a 250. I remember. That was the year the Red Wings swept the Canadians. Yako hmm. <laughs> Ruta says, I don't know if this possibility has been brought to your attention, but here it goes. The Red Wings finish uh miss the playoffs by one point they win the draft lottery and they still end up picking sixth overall <laughs> there is a special kind of i'll hell. be honest i have no idea how the lottery works anymore well that's it the, doesn't matter detroit detroit won't factor in it one way or the I'm other i'm just waiting for the draft profiles to start so that you guys will explain it to me <laughs> two more games like this and i think we're starting it's it would be a special kind of hell reserved for whoever pulled that lottery ball where the red wings won and moved up was it 10 picks or whatever listen i'm the last person on this planet to advocate for violence but (laughs) (laughs) we would just unleash evan on nhl headquarters go do your worst buddy Uh, nhl might come out a better place if i did (laughs) we're having him in his speed skating unitard (laughs) who's 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 that humpty dumpty looking fellow in the lobby what's that uh bulgy silhouette <laughs> walking down i don't know what street the headquarters are on in new york i would look like um oh my god it's a sentient jar of cottage cheese <laughs> i would i would literally look like uh who's the little green uh, uh ball monster from monsters Inc. That is what, comes Mike Wisniewski. that's exactly what i would look like right now oh god <laughs> 
It's probably just, just an egg on stilts. It's probably a good thing I'm not good with Photoshop. The bad thing for you is a lot of our listeners are. So, yeah, they uh, they can't move up more than ten spot uh, spots if they win a lottery draw. So, so it's eleven or nothing, basically. Pretty much. Yeah. Um. C <laughs> nods says happy new year which red wing has had the best calendar year i'd go with either cider or ned cider killing it in sweden and then heading over to the nhl to continue that and ned having a great 2021 with carolina and then keeping it going in detroit what do you think yeah those are really the only candidates i can't think of anybody who had a strong finish to last season and then continued it this year then again i could have probably stopped at the first half of that statement at least nobody that was with the Red Wings. Yeah. Well, Letty, he's up there because he had a really good season with the Islanders. I think Cider is the answer there. Cider and Ned are the two best answers there. Yeah, they're the only two answers there. Uh, Miss Days says, we've seen the good, we've seen the ugly. And if you had to guess now, where do you expect the Red Wings to land in the draft? <sighs> Ten, give or take. I think that's what I said earlier in the year, and I think I – nothing's really shocked me too much one way or the other to really jump far off that. I'll go eight. I don't think it's going to be a particularly amazing second half of the season. And I think the team might not be as well equipped after the trade deadline, but I don't think they'll have lottery luck. I'll go eight. If you had to guess Evan, where they'll finish, where they'll end up in the draft. Well, I don't think the second half will be as good as the first, unfortunately. Um, I say they'll be in the. I'll go ninth. We all know it's going to wait be in the after. Wait after the lottery. <laughs> after or the like lottery standings. Yeah. No, no, after the lottery. They'll be at six. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> However that works out, they're picking. You, six. Yeah, you tell me how that works. They're six. And if they end up like eighth or ninth or tenth, Eisman's going to trade up to pick six. Um, Matt says, "Happy New Year's, fellas." Uh, in the past, Brad has compared Cider's potential pre-draft to Ryan Suter. Has his play this year changed that or solidified it? And based on what you've seen, who would you compare Edvinson to? I think it's solidified it because I think with how old he is, people forget how good Ryan Suter was in his prime. Like he was in the Norris conversation damn near every year. So, and he he was a guy who was very efficient offensively without doing anything flashy. So yeah, the Suter decider, I, I would say solidified, not changed. Not saying the same player. Not saying the same player, but a lot of the same the same profile, yeah. If that makes sense, um, Edvinson, man, Edvinson's a bit of a unicorn because um, he's huge. He can skate. He plays with a ton of offensive creativity. <laughs> I'm struggling. I I refuse. I can't stand player comparisons because they're just so arbitrary, and it's just an exercise. And hey, put yourself down on paper for something you know you're going to be wrong about. Yeah, and then. I'm not complaining about people throwing it back in your face. I'm happy to admit when we're wrong. That's one of the, I think everyone should be a little bit more honest about that, but it's this, that exercise feels wrong from the start. Anyways, Wayne Gretzky. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know. The only big defenseman who I can, who can skate like the wind, who's who generates offense is Victor Hedman is the only guy I can think of. But I mean, that's like a ridiculous statement. Close, closest, profile i can think of i don't think he'll be this good but haskinen yeah it's just feels silly comparing to those guys right like that's setting the bar th- yeah the like stratosphere. if i if simon edmondson turns into miro haskinen i'm gonna be doing backflips for a year like it's it's not gonna happen but in terms of stylistic comparisons i don't think 
Haskinen tries the flashy things that Edmondson can do, but like big mobile defenseman who can skate like the wind and transition the puck really well. But then again, I also think Haskinen's way better in his own end than Edmondson. So I. Okay. I actually can't get the uh, image of Evan stuffed into a speed skating suit looking like Mike Wazowski out of my head. (laughs) So we're going to wrap up this episode of the Winged Wheel podcast. Um, I'd like to thank all of our listeners. Uh, our Patreon supporters, um, thank you for bringing us all the way to 2022. We love you dearly. Our name level sponsors, uh, Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Ground Foundation, Kyle Karagitz, Nick Perks, Brett Bailey, Terry Driver of the number 69, Crying Ryan Hannes, Banana Slam and Jamathong, Taylor Tagel, Matthew M. Rice, B. Diz, um, Carl Brutana Nanaluski, Chimmy, Citizen High Five, CJ Sully, Craig Kibble, Derek Enstem, DJ Denton, Give Blood, Fight Probert, Greech, Hana Lee, Hassam al Qasem, Jay Gollum, Jacob Turner, Jake Kiefer, Justin and the Angry Mob, Kaylin Wood, King Tone, Kyle Hashman, Matt McKay, R.A., Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Zach Spring, Zarly Zalapsky, Andrew Bohan, Sam Bankson, Adam I Wish I Could Finish Like Ernie, Antonio Gracias, Babe Landiscog, Ben Barron, Connor Leighton, Eric Sinkowski, Evans Tub Bubble, Evans Bingo Card, James Laporte, Jeffrey Dunst, Jeremy Brocker, John Evans, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Logan Stull, Matt Keeler, Matt S, Max $1 million, Not Me Rolling in Another Doobie After a Bad Wings Loss, Revy DeLuca, Terry Actual, Trevor Pebavar, Zach Handyside, and Zach McCann, a driving range superstar. Thank you all so much. We'll be with you on Wednesday. Have a great start to your new year. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.